And we are in the book of Proverbs. We've been looking at this now for some series of uh, topics out of this book. And there's really no end to the various topics in the book of Proverbs. But um, as I've shared with you before and as you know, uh, it's part of our Bible that is very practical and very simple in its instruction. I think that's why the book of Proverbs resonates with so many people. Because they're just simple, short statements, often coupled together uh, to drive home a point or to compare two opposites. And so we've been going through those various things. And tonight we're on the, um, well, previous topics we've looked at, like money. We've looked at the right path to go in. We've looked at um, uh, some other areas. I can't, right now my brain is slowing down here tonight. Sorry about that. That's not good to stand up and have your brain slowing down, but it'll kick in again. Uh, The various topics that we've had. But tonight I want to look at the topic of purity. Because the book of Proverbs has a lot in warning about that about walking holy and keeping pure and keeping really out of the traps of the world. And I think it's something that we would do well to read every day in our life as we go through the book and the Bible. And we go to the book of Proverbs and we say, Lord, what would you have today for me to be warned about or to be encouraged to do? And this is one of those great books that that does that. Uh, In the New Testament, 1 Timothy, in chapter 5, verse 22, Paul says to Timothy, he gives him all kinds of instruction there as a pastor, but he says, keep yourself pure. And really, there is not a lot of preaching today on that topic that goes out. There, there's a fair amount where the Bible covers it, but I would just say the topic of purity, it's almost one of those topics that it seems like There's so much impurity going on that people don't want to talk about it because it's very uncomfortable. But I would say as the Bible goes through it, nevertheless, the times when Solomon was writing this all the way to today, uh, God wants his people to walk holy and to be pure. And I do believe that that is possible in our world today to have that kind of walk. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 11 It says, even a child is known by his deeds, whether what he does is pure and right. Let's just pray and then we'll go from there. Lord, we are grateful for your word and we're grateful that your word has this marvelous cleansing effect. Lord, we live in a world and a world system that is just so impure, so contrary. We see that more and more even now, Lord. And I ask that you would help us to be a people that would walk close to you. Thank you for the promises. For those that seek to walk a righteous path, there is great reward in that. And now, Lord, help us and help us be warned also and stir up in our hearts the things that need to be dealt with as well, Lord, the importance of our testimony and our walk here in this world. We want to thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We come to this, uh, and we're going to look at three areas of what the book of Proverbs teaches on. There's several areas, but tonight we're going to look at uh, one of the things that you come across as you read through the, the book of Proverbs is that there is things that are just laid out bare and, and reminds us this is a very sinful world. Now, the book is written in the format of picture kind of like a young son maybe getting ready to head out for the first time from his father's house and as he's going out 
his father gives him advice. And he says, make sure you walk in wisdom and get wisdom, but also be warned because this is out there. And so you kind of picture someone maybe a little bit naive, somebody going out into the world and not realizing all that's out there. And so really, God takes this book and he lays out some things to warn such people. And honestly, we are often like that in our youth, kind of naive about what's out there and what can happen. And it doesn't take long before that innocence can be lost. And our walk as Christians can become walks that are not very pure and as believers. And certainly Solomon was no stranger to that aspect also of foolishness. Proverbs chapter seven, Proverbs chapter six and chapter seven deal with a lot of warnings about walking in a world that is uh, sexually immoral, and we certainly are living in a world today where it just screams from every every piece of whatever advertisements to the internet to social media to television and movies and everything else. Uh, screams sexual immorality and so much so it's very easy all of a sudden to just kind of be accepting of that and say ah you know that's the status quo and there's a lot of that going on Uh, and we are reminded of a sinful world proverbs chapter 6 verse 25 says this do not lust after her beauty in your heart nor let her allure you with her eyelids for by means of a harlot a man is reduced to a crust of bread And an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? So is he who goes in to his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Yet when he is found... He must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Wounds and dishonor he will get, and his reproach will not be wiped away. For jealousy is a husband's fury. Therefore, he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will... Accept no recompense, nor will he be appeased, though you give many gifts. Wise advice to a generation that does takes very lightly relationships and entering into those relationships, and sometimes entering into adulterous relationships or uh, relationships of fornication where... Um, People are not following God in those things. And the Bible, although I, some of our you saying, well, this was written in different times, and we live in different times, I would say all through the generations, from right from the garden on, God has wanted his people to follow him with a heart that is dedicated first and foremost to him and not be drawn away by our own lusts. In Proverbs chapter 7, there is a warning here, And there's this image of someone looking out the window and seeing what goes on. And again, picture this from somebody's perspective of saying they're they're getting ready to head out into the world. And uh, there's a clear warning here in Scripture. And honestly, if you abide by those warnings, in other words, don't go there, it will bring a better life. 
Proverbs 7, verse 6. For at the window of my house I looked through my lattice and saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths, a young man devoid of understanding. I might pause right there and say this, that um, we can sin in various ways. One way we can sin, I'm talking about the types of things that we do that are sin, but we can sin out of, uh, first of all, ignorance. Like this guy, he's he's devoid of understanding. And when I come across a verse like this, I often say, where was that that young man's mother or father? Why was this young man heading out down the street simple and devoid of understanding Uh, and it's not necessarily because he wasn't able to reason there are some that are in that case maybe they they just don't have that capacity to understand various things but generally speaking people do a lot of sin because they're ignorant of it as sin one of the things that stood out to me when i uh, became a christian and in those days right before I, I got saved and God was convicting me of my sin. He was using his word to show me those things. And there were things that I thought were not sin. And all of a sudden, I began to be feel convicted as the Holy Spirit put his finger, so to speak, on my heart saying, you're a sinner and you need salvation. You need to be saved. And I'm glad he extends that to us. But sometimes we sin because of lack of understanding. Sometimes we sin willfully. We know it's wrong, and we just go do it. And I think, generally speaking, most people, even in our society today, still know that there are things that are wrong. Most would would say it is wrong to sleep with another man's wife, or even to do uh, have uh, sexual relations outside of the confines of marriage. And yet because it's so generally acceptable in our society the strength of that knowledge or sin is not necessarily there but there's still a lot that would not uh would would be devoid of understanding but look what it goes on to say it says passing along the street near her corner and he took the path to her house in the twilight in the evening in the black and dark night and there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot in a crafty heart. There are those that are out there that are seeking to draw others in and to take someone's life and get it off course. And that's they're they're doing that. They are. And be warned about that. Goes on to say she was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. This is the character in this case of this woman. Now I would say it's not only women, it's men as well. Men are too often uh, seeking out these things that they shouldn't. But she was there. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him with an impudent face. She said to him, I have peace offerings with me. Today I have paid my vows. So I came out to meet you, diligently to seek your face and I have found you. In other words, uh, flattery. Sometimes people are lured into things. I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and will come home on the appointed day. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately, 
He went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter. <laughs> and, and that is the case. That's what happens uh, when someone's drawn away into an immoral relationship. For this case, the Lord just points out, it's like a man following after like a dumb beast, not knowing where he's headed. You know, bringing the ox in the barn, but it's the last time he's going in there. And the next time he comes out, he's going to be coming out in uh, prepared meat, you know, in that way. And that's the way sin is, right? It's alluring. It's at first, it looks like, you know, as, as this, I don't necessarily say it's a hypothetical woman. This is probably a situation that's played itself out many, many different times where she has set a trap, looked for the prey, spread out these things on her bed in the beauty of the moment, all of those things, and then saying, we can't get caught, my husband's away. Except God's there, right? God knows. And then it goes on to say, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till an arrow strikes his liver. You don't want to get a, uh, an arrow in your liver. It's a fatal wound. As a bird hastens to the snare, and he did not know it would cost his life. How many people would change course in the decisions they've made had they known what it would cost in the end? Now therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. Now, see the principle there? Do not let your heart turn aside. That's point number one. Don't let it turn aside. How do you keep your heart from turning aside? Well, keep close to the Lord. <laughs> because, you know, if your heart is settled on Him and you're in His Word and you're praying and you're walking like you should, it's harder for your heart to get turned aside. Uh, I really think it's a, the point is that we should be so caught up with Him um, that we are singularity of purpose. We're, we're, we're following Him. It's hard to draw such a person away. Do not stray into her path. In other words, don't go where you're going to be tempted. It's Chuck Swindoll who told um, of his early life. Back in the 1950s, he was in the Marine Corps, stationed in Okinawa. And while he was there in Okinawa, um, he was a new Christian. And he said that he would go to a fellowship of other Marines uh, in a church that was off base. But to get there... There was a street that he would have to go down, and it was almost unavoidable the way everything was laid out. And there were prostitutes on that street as a young man. And as a young man, he had to go there. And he said, the only way I could go there and get through that street was to, when he entered that street, he ran. And he would run to the other end of the street, and he wouldn't look left or right. And I can't remember, I think he was married at that time. His wife, he was stationed there for a year, so his wife hadn't joined him. And as a young man, here he is running down this street, and, and he was talking about that fleeing. Sometimes that's what you got to do. And we have to be careful. But listen, don't stop and linger, or don't just stand around looking for trouble, because it'll find you. For she has cast down many wounded and all who were slain by her were strong men. And I think we ought to be reminded of that and to speak to our men tonight and, and women as well. But stronger people than you have gone this way. 
And I am reminded of that sometimes when I hear of so, uh, a brother, a sister in the Lord, where they've had some moral failure of sin. And I have stopped and said, oh, by the grace of God, if it weren't for his grace, I could go that way. And don't ever think you're so strong that you can withstand sin if you are straying, you know. And that's something that we have to keep in mind. It says, they were slain by her and they were strong men. Her house is the way to hell. Descending to the chambers of death. I think if we could see that viewpoint from heaven's perspective, what looks so alluring and beautiful and, and such a desire of our hearts from this side of things, perhaps if we looked at it from God's perspective, he says that's the way to death. He wouldn't do it. Adultery. It's a big one. Adultery is also something, again, in the book of Proverbs and throughout the scripture that is, is brought up many, many different times. Jesus connects it with the generation of his day. So we move ahead a thousand years to the time of Christ, and he says in Matthew 16, 4, he says it several places in the Gospels, a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And he couples that a wicked or evil and adulterous generation. And I would say that's probably could be the subtitle to today's generation in America. A wicked and adulterous generation. And it draws people away from God. And by the way, it can be in the church. When Jesus is talking to people here, he's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were the religious crowd. Beware. We are to be careful um, how we walk. And by the way, in 1 John, John, I like what John writes here. And this is the, he warns, but he gives a positive also. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world... And then he says, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Think of that man in Proverbs 7 there, that young man, or the, the Proverbs 6 as well. And they were enticed by the lust of the flesh, a desire. And it's a strong desire, sexuality, isn't it? And then you have the lust of the eyes. There was someone of beauty who had made herself even more beautiful and had brought in expensive things to put around her bedroom, all of that. And then the pride of life, she flatters him. You're important. And we can't get caught. And you see those things. But anyways, he says here, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. I like what he says. It's a temporary thing. And we sell ourselves for a temporary, maybe, pleasure, which is sin is for a season, right? The pleasures of sin is for a season, for eternity. What a waste. But he who does the will of God abides forever. I love that. The contrast in here, John says, the world's just passing away. You may have to do like Chuck Swindoll and run down that street a little faster so you don't get caught up in the things that are 
lurking in the shadows. But it's just a, a short jog. Eternity's forever. Serve him. The message translation of that same passage, I, the message is a translation that is, um, it, it's not a true paraphrase, but it takes the Koine Greek or the common Greek and the meaning of the Greek, and it tries to translate it into English so that we might understand it like how it was written originally, you know? And I don't use it very often, but I thought this passage stood out. It says this, Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love the world. The love of the, love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. The world and all its wanting, 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 is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. I like what that means, you know? That kind of how, that's exactly what John was saying, is that we sell something for the wants of this life, and when we have all eternity ahead with Him. Well, a sinful world is certainly portrayed there in the book of Proverbs, and we're given great warning about that. But we're also reminded that there's certain judgment. You don't get away with sin. And there's nothing secret with God. He sees everything. He knows all. And that understanding of his omniscience and his omnipresence should drive us to live holy, to live for him. Proverbs 2 Verse 16, to deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house leads down to death and her paths to the dead. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. That's a solemn warning. And what this doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that if someone has committed adultery or has had um, uh, some kind of immorality going on in their life, and all, they can't find repentance with God. But if that's what you are driven to and the direction you go and you do not repent, it always leads to death. Always. Because the wages of sin is death, whatever sin it is. But this is one. And you do not regain the paths of life. It's hard to come back from that. And for many, impossible to come back. Beware. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 3. For the lips of an immoral woman drip like honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. How many people have been bitten in that quest? Her feet go down to death. Her steps lay hold of hell. Lest you ponder her path of life, her ways are unstable. You do not know them. Therefore hear me now, my children, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house. Don't go near it. Lest you give your honor to others, and your years to the cruel one. Lest aliens, that's strangers, be filled with your wealth, and your labors go to the house of a foreigner, 
And you're more, you, and you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed, and say, "How I have hated instruction, and my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and the congregation, or in, in congregation. You know, when we look at that, the, these are just very simple, clear passages of warning, and it would we do well to." Memorize those things, both as adults and as children. It's a reminder that we don't get away with things. Um, in the New Testament, several verses, but Hebrews 9.27 is, It is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. We're reminded that in our sin, judgment follows, always. For the Christian, for the believer, if you have trusted Christ, turned from your sin and followed him... Your sin has been judged at the cross, has been judged on Christ. He took our judgment for us. Nevertheless, there has to be judgment for sin. We shouldn't cheapen these institutions of both marriage, sex, or cheapen sin to make it look like a light thing either. These things are very, very important in that. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 14. The mouth of an immoral woman is a deep pit. He who is abhorred by the Lord will fall there. Again, the picture is of a young man who goes out into a world somewhat naive, and his father is warning him, beware, beware, beware. It can go the other way, too. There can be women who are preyed upon by immoral men, and there's lots of that that happens as well. Beware. We have a sinful world, a certain judgment, but then an instruction of a holy life. A holy life. Now, the, generally speaking, when you ask somebody that isn't familiar with probably the Lord and, and his, his life, um, if you were to say, what is holiness? In, in my mind, as a, you know, I remember I was growing up, I thought, if somebody said that person's a holy man, or a holy woman, or whatever. You thought of um, maybe uh, the priest all dressed up, or a nun, you know, uh, with the habit on and all of that. And you kind of thought, well, that makes them holy. Well, no, it makes them dressing different. That's all it does. And we certainly have learned that just dressing up to be holy doesn't make one holy. But I often thought that way. I thought, well, you know, if I locked myself up in a monastery and didn't have all the temptations of life, then I would make me holy. And we know that that too, the place you lock yourself up, doesn't necessarily make you holy or less apt to sin. But what will allow us to live holy or separate unto God, and it's not necessarily acting weird or dressing weird or anything like that, but it is uh, keeping ourselves from the world and its ways. And there's so many different ways we could look at that. Proverbs 13.20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Um, You're known by the company you keep. That's what Paul says later in 1 Corinthians 15.33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits or good manners. The principle is you're known by the company you keep. And a lot of times, believers and certainly unbelievers as well, get in trouble just simply by the company that they keep in that it will draw us away. And uh, be careful about that in your associations 
And that part of walking holy doesn't mean you can't have people in the world that you're friends with, but you should not be friends with the world. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I have many unsaved friends or people that would certainly say they're not believers. And I try to witness to them and all that. But I, I won't go hang out with them when they're off, headed off to wherever, you know, uh, to engage in some sinful activity. Um, not because I'm not friends with them or don't like them or anything like that. It's just I know that's not where I need to be. And that's where I'm going to end up, you know, probably making some poor choices. And certainly not as your pastor. That would be bad for the image of this church and the Lord and my own testimony. The Bible gives some positives about purity. Not only does it warn us, like in the book of Proverbs, but in Matthew chapter 5, you have the Beatitudes. Again, short statements. Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, he takes these very short sayings and he reminds his followers what it's like to follow him. And this one stands out to me every time. It says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, I will say theologically, if you're justified in that you have you have received Christ as your Savior, the, the Bible calls says you're justified. In other words, you've been declared righteous and you stand righteous before God. And there's both that's the the pra- or the positional aspect of our righteousness, but there's the practical also. And I would just say this God doesn't want us just to be righteous practically when we're in heaven but now because the christian life and when you become a christian it begins at salvation and follows through forever for eternity and he wants us to be living for him now and that ought to drive us to that even if there's consequences for living that way sometimes it's just as simple as people make fun of you and i think probably in this crowd uh, you know most of us are older um doesn't mean you're less tempted in these days but Definitely, as a younger man, I think most or younger, even teens and children, you are tempted more by peer pressure. And sometimes you're made fun of because you live a certain way or do a certain thing or won't do a certain thing. And there's a promise here that those who are pure in heart will see God. And I think the very simple principle is this, that as you have a heart like God's, he's honored by that and he's pleased to walk with you. I think we need that. We need people like Enoch in the Old Testament. Remember? Just prior to the flood. He, the Bible says of him he walked with God. And then he was not. For, for God took him. And, and I love what J. Vernon McGee tells about Enoch. Or he says with Enoch. And he says I kind of picture it this way. Here's a man that walked with God. He, he walked as a pure heart. His life pleased the Lord. And the Lord was pleased to walk daily with Enoch. One day as Enoch was getting ready to get to his house, the Lord looked at him and said, let's just keep walking. We'll go to my house. And you know, for the believer, that's what it's like. A walk is just one step at a time, isn't it? And when we get up in the morning, middle of the night, whenever you work, I don't know, some of you are on shift work, all that. But listen, you get up and you ought to be about the Lord's business and walking with him is one step at a time and walking away from him is also one step at a time. There's a promise that 
those who are pure in heart will see God. We'll see him show up in ways like that. The, um, the word katharos, it's the one, this is just the, uh, the word pure in the English Bible, appears in several different translations of a Greek word, different Greek words, but the one that's the blue there, uh, katharos, is the word that is translated there back in Matthew, and, and it means to be pure and to be clean. It was used uh, to sometimes refer to olive oil that was pressed. And the olive oil, if it was clean, it was called katharos, it was purified. And he wants us to be like that. By the way, if you take olive oil and you put it on you or any kind of oil, it permeates everything, doesn't it? And you know, purity is like that too. When it's clean and right, it purifies us. I'm glad for that. Holy living extremely important in these days james puts it this way pure and undefiled religion before god and the father is this to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world you want pure religion you know you get it when you're unspotted from the world and when you're doing those things that he wants us to do I think that's a good mission statement right there. Unfortunately, many get stuck in the unspotted part and end up very spotted and lose their testimony in that. As I said, sometimes it comes at a cost. There have been many over the years, including right from the very beginning, there were Christians who were persecuted by the Romans and others later after them for refusing to do things they deemed were immoral or would taint them with the world and instead stood the consequences of having to disobey worldly leaders sometimes because they believed in, in obeying God more than man and doing that. Sometimes doing what is right, walking purely with the Lord, doesn't get us ahead. And I say that sometimes it's, it's also a lonely life. I have talked to young people before um, and sometimes older people as well, who chose not to get married. Not because they didn't want to get married, they, they did. But they felt that it was very important that they find the right person and that that person be singularly minded for them. And when they would meet people, they realized they weren't singularly minded for them. And they chose not to marry somebody that they knew would bring trouble. In those things. And now we can't always tell the future, and I'm not trying to beat up on anybody on that, but those things sometimes are clearly seen in the beginning. We have to be careful. Keep yourself unspotted from the world. You guys have seen these little creatures probably, maybe. Sometimes they're quick an ermine or a weasel, the northern weasel. And um, in the wintertime, in the colder climates here, their fur turns white. And for centuries, uh, their fur has been sought after as in the fur trade because of its purity. And years ago, it was the white fur of the ermine that was taken, and it, they had to kill a lot of them for this, but the fur was taken so that kings could have robes, royal robes made out of that fur. The ermine is an interesting little creature, um, 
and again, I've never hunted them or trapped them, but uh, years, you know, centuries ago, uh, there were things that people learned how to catch them and those kind of things, and there's various ways that they hunt them. Uh, but the ermine is almost infatuated with this idea of keeping its fur clean. And you, maybe something, they're really little dirty little creatures. They aren't. They're very clean. And they will make their homes in a, like a clean, hollowed out log or in the rocks sometimes or someplace like that. And, and, um, there were times when hunters, the way they would catch these is they would go out with dogs and they would find a trail and they would find out through the snow or whatever, find a trail of, of the, the ermine and they would follow it to its home. And often the creature wasn't there because, you know, they aren't going to hang out where they know in that. And anyways, they would take and they would smear grime all around the hole of the opening of their home. And then they would set the dogs loose to track it and eventually the dogs would find it and chase it until the ermine by instinct would run back to its home thinking it could find refuge only to be met with grime all smeared around the entrance. And those little creatures, I'm told, would stop often and they would prefer to face the dogs than they would to get their fur dirty to their detriment in that case. But a lot could be learned from that. How many Christians, how many believers, how many people would be willing to, even over the peril of their life, walk pure and unspotted from the world so that they might please God first and be more concerned with that than their very life? Sad thing is, Solomon wasn't that way, was he? We read in Nehemiah, that it was many strange women or foreign women that turned Solomon's heart away from God. We find out that the man who wrote the book of Proverbs, and I think he was writing again by the Holy Spirit, was giving his word, using Solomon, but using a man who had failed so miserably in so many different ways to extend warnings to us and to his sons and to others. And we ought to heed that warning. So how's your purity? How's it going? Keep yourself unspotted from the world. Lord, we are grateful for your word. We're grateful for the very fact that you want us to throw off the sin that entangles us so easily. Lord, we can run this race one step at a time. Help us, Lord. Protect us from evil from sin and from sin's ways. I pray that in our homes, in our marriages, in our relationships, in our associations, various ways, oh God, that we would be people who are pleased to dwell with you and you dwell with us. We thank you for that. And commit our ways to you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.